Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show hosted by me, Christy Dimitrakis, the Empowered Speaker. I'm the president and founder of the Empowered Speaker, a company focused on teaching people the power of dreams and purpose and the importance of faith in conquering the fears that limit us from reaching our highest potential. I'm also the author of Faith to Conquer Fear, Inspiration to Achieve Your Dreams. You can find out more about my services and my book at www.empoweredspeaker.com. For those of you who may be listening to the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show for the first time, here's what you can expect. This show will provide guests who will motivate you, inspire you, and give you tools to activate your goals and dreams, whether those dreams are entrepreneurial, corporate, or personal. And today I have a special guest to help me do just that. Christy Musso Bruce was labeled a loser as a child a survivor of emotional, sexual, and physical abuse, which caused her to struggle with low self-worth. She has fought rejection, shame, guilt, and the nagging tendency to fight off depression and anxiety. But by the grace of God, Christy also adds the title of overcomer to her list of life experiences. Every circumstance has taught her to trust and believe in the goodness of God, the freedom found in forgiveness, and in the transforming power of God's word. Christy is a gifted communicator who will touch your heart with her authentic style and certainly will make you laugh. She will renew your hope and inspire you with her passion and insight into God's word. When sharing the word with you, you will see that the elements for victory are always present, the character of God, our identity in him, and how he wants us to live. As an author, God has used Christy's book, Hope Knows Your Name, to impact thousands of people around the world. Her ministry is built on the promises found in Isaiah 61 to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives. She regularly speaks at churches across the country, women's and men's retreats, conferences, special events, recovery centers, juvenile detention centers, battered women, and women who have had abortions, and small groups. Combining all of her ministry experience as an inspirational speaker and teacher, her passion is for others to be free. Christy embraced what she calls her sacred responsibility to the Father in giving hope back to others. She invites everyone of all ages and stages of life to learn to live contagiously free. I love that. Escape their prison of shame, fear, and pain through believing and applying God's truth to their lives. She teaches you how to change the old messages that play over and over in your mind and shows you how to release the lives that have trapped you in bondage. Christy will gently guide you as to how you can go on with life and feel cherished, accepted, loved, forgiven, and free. Valentine's Day 2015, Christy was married to her best friend, Ronnie. As a couple, they seek to live out their faith and calling in an ever-changing culture and to help others find their destiny. Christy, welcome to the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show. Thank you. I am so glad to have you, so glad to have you. I always start by asking my guests to tell me something about themselves that I did not read in your bio. Oh, wow. What you didn't read in my bio? <laughs> well, I was going to tell you that I just married, so I didn't tell you that. Well, <laughs> one thing you don't know is my new husband did exactly what you did for 25 years. He was on WDJC 93.7 Radio here uh-huh. as a had his own talk show host. So 
probably didn't share that with you. The rest of it, you probably know my whole life because it is filled out in a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we're going to talk about today because most of us probably listening have not yet read your book. And so I'm excited. I love the title, Hope Knows Your Name. Um, that's a great title. Before we get into that, I want to kind of share with folks, give you an opportunity to share with folks your background and what really led up to the writing of the book and probably what is majority of the content of the book. Okay. So we read in your bio, um, you know, you, you kind of had a tough past with, you know, physical, emotional, sexual abuse. Tell us your story. Well, actually, it started early on for me. Um, I was in a home with divorced parents at two years old, and of course, you know, not having the stability of a father in my life, I actually just started taking another, you know, road. Both of my parents at first were alcoholics. My mother ended up um, getting saved after I was eight years old, and my father was never in my life again after they divorced when I was two. Um, moving on to age 10, I was already skipping school, hanging out with, you know, 17, 18-year-old boys, and was really just looking for a boyfriend, I think, at that time, or just any kind of, you know, negative attention, just somebody to love me somehow because I felt so much abandonment, you know, from my home as a child. You know, you think, Christy, when your own parents don't love you, then you're really not lovable. Mm. And so I was never a priority in my parents' life. Um, I ran away at age 11 to Memphis, Tennessee with a 17-year-old boy. I lived on the street, dumpsters, alleys, you name it, I was there. Um, eventually got picked up and put in Memphis, Tennessee, juvenile. From there, I was taken to a girl's home in the ghettos of Indianapolis, Indiana. Prior to me going to Teen Challenge, I had an encounter with my first sexual abuse at uh, around 11. I was um, playing at a playground at the apartments we lived in, and a guy in a white pickup truck picked me up, and I didn't know any better than getting in the truck with him, and that was my first encounter with sexual abuse. After I went to the center in Indiana, I was told that I would be there for two weeks and ended up being there for the time I turned 12 in there till I signed myself out at 16. The um, center was a very abusive center. I was physically, emotionally, and sexually abused there. I was, um, first day I got in there, I was in what they call the hole, and it was a real old, old home. It had cement floors down in the basement, uh, washer and dryers down there, uh, but just very dirty, very nasty, and I was put into probably like a four by six space with rollaway beds up against me, filing cabinets up against me. They took every bit of my clothes. And that's where I stayed for the next eight months. Mm. I remember them making us scrub the floors. I remember um, at night having to sleep on a concrete floor with nothing but a sheet. I was 12 years old, you know, scared to death. I mean, I was in there with people that had killed their parents, killed their siblings, and I had just, you know, come from Alabama and had just run away from home. Yeah. Um 
it was traumatic for me. I actually, uh, when I was 13 and was in that girl's home, I um, got privileges to work out in a shed if you were good. Uh, finally got out of the hole, got to uh, go upstairs for a while, ended up getting the privilege of going out where you went to a shed and you sorted Goodwill that came into the center. And that was the highlight for, you know, if you were good. So we were sorting through some Goodwill stuff. And one of my girlfriends, her name was Mandy, and she said, Christy, I can't take being in here anymore. And I just want you to know that all the medication that was in that bag from whoever donated it, I've taken every bit of it. Mm. So I went running into the home, Christy, and told the counselors, and they did not believe her at first that she had taken it. I watched them walk her up and down halls. I uh, saw them take her head and put it in and out of a tub of cold water. And the last time they pulled her head out of the water, I was standing in the bathroom, and they dropped her at my feet, and she took her last breath. That was a horrific memory for me. Um that lasted that kind of abuse where we were put into closets. Um, sometimes five, six, seven girls, you had a can to go to the bathroom in. You never saw daylight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never went outside the whole time I was there. There were bars on the window. Um, it, it was just horrific. I lost my whole childhood there. You know, when my husband is kind of funny, he talks about, proms and things you did at school or did you watch this television show Gilligan's Island or whatever Mm -hmm. I never had the opportunity to do those things as a teenager I missed my whole teenage years going to prom you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so as you can imagine when I came out uh, signed myself out at 16 I was very angry and just full of hate for my parents for my mom I never had heard from my dad the whole time I was there My mother, in the meantime, got saved, and she was sending me letters and contacting me on the phone. But you can imagine how much resentment and hate I had towards her. So coming out of there, the biggest thing that I wanted to do was make the family that I never had. And once again, went to chasing boys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ended up meeting uh, my first husband at a Christian school here in Birmingham immediately. Uh, started having sex and got pregnant at the age of 17 and I had nowhere to go. I was living with his parents at the time because I couldn't be with my mother at that point. I was just too out of control for that and um, I was living with him at the time and so he said, you know, Chrissy, if my parents find out that you're pregnant, you're going to have to move out and I was terrified. I didn't have parents to go to I'm 17 years old, Mm -hmm. so he took me to a clinic here in Birmingham, and I'll never forget it, you know, to this day, and I ended up having an abortion. That caused me to have more just dysfunction and dysfunction and the feeling of, you know, what have I done? I had so much guilt and shame, even at 17 years old. So from that, I ended up marrying him, and then we stayed married a year, and I ended up going through a divorce because I just hated him so much for that abortion. I never got over Mm -hmm. that. Met my second husband when my son was four and had a great life with him. We were married 18 years. Um, On the entire marriage, my father had contacted me because he had been in a um, motorcycle accident and was paralyzed from the neck down. 
So I ended up being his, he asked me, could he move in? And of course, you know, Christy, you're thinking, my first thought was, how could I take care of you? Where were you all my life? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I was just questioning that so much. And then my husband said, you know, Christy, if um, this is the relationship that you have always craved, and maybe you couldn't have a relationship with him as a child, so maybe as an adult, there can be something there. So we ended up moving him into our home, and I became his sole caregiver. When he got up and had an accident during the night, I had to clean him up and take care of him. I had two small children and a husband at home. I had already had my daughter at this point, Katie. And he became my life, and I kind of let my marriage go because I would have sold my soul to the devil to make my father love me. Mm. And he just never did. He didn't. He never got it. He continued in our home and his very dysfunctional behavior. He was uh, a gambler. Um, women, he owned a bar here, so he was uh, paying women to come over to our home. And finally, I had to make the decision whether to protect my husband and my children. My husband kind of gave me an ultimatum. you got to pick between us and your father because I can't do this anymore. He was a nuclear pharmacist here in Birmingham, and he just um, was afraid of losing his license. My father was smoking pot Mm. in our home, and uh, our kids were just being torn apart by all the confusion and stuff that was going on in our home. So uh, we moved. Um, I gave my father the home, and I told him that my husband had gotten transferred to Tennessee when actually we had just moved across town. I didn't want to hurt my father still up to this point. I just felt, you know, not to hurt him, my responsibility to him. I didn't want to make him hate me. And so I just told him that my husband had gotten transferred on his job, and we ended up moving across town. And one week to the date we moved, um, we moved on a Saturday. The next Saturday, I get a phone call from the nurse that I had hired to take care of him um, that he had come in that morning and found my father dead. Mm. So I rush over to the house immediately, and... There's FBI, there's police there. So this started turning into that my dad did not die from, you know, paraplegic causes or anything. They said that my father had been suffocated with a pillow. um, And he had actually, Christy, gone to Biloxi that weekend. I had no idea the nurse had taken him to Biloxi. Mm -hmm. He ended up paying taxes on $68,000. And according to, you know, everything that took place after that, the nurse had suffocated him with a pillow um, for the money. Of course, the money was never found. You can imagine um, what that did to me. I had never left that man in eight years. I had so much guilt and shame, first of all, from lying to him that my husband's job had gone to Tennessee. But more than that, leaving him after eight years I was with him every day never left him one time and now he's dead Mm. now I have this burden on my shoulders um he never told me he loved me even up until you know he passed away so that did something to me that day Christy where I the dream that I always had of my having a father to love me and ever say I love you that was over 
And I was so angry at him at that point because I felt like he took the chicken way out. He got to go out of here without ever telling me he loved me or thank you for taking care of him for eight years. It was just nothing. So I became so angry. Mm -hmm. Of course, ended up blaming my husband that I had been married to for so long because I had to make that choice between my family and my father. I know now, after much counseling, it wasn't my husband's fault. Sure. But um, I blamed him, so I ended up walking out of an 18-year marriage, which left my children very angry at me. Um, ended up just going back to the bar scene, partying, the relationships, you know, just looking for love, like they said in the song, and mm-hmm. all the wrong places. Mm-hmm. I've been there, done that, got a couple of T-shirts. But um, with that, it ended me up in 2005 and moved forward quickly. Um, I had just come to the end of my road New Year's Eve. I felt so unlovable, um, did not have a good relationship with my mother still at this point, still a lot of anger. I was not a Christian this whole time. I never stepped foot in a church okay. uh, because the program that I went to in Indiana, it's a Christian-based program, and they're national, and I don't like to say the name of the program simply because there are good programs here and across the world that are good programs, but they're all individually owned by different directors, so I try not to bash, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Sure. But um, anyway, in 2005, my children weren't speaking to me. I didn't get to see them Christmas. They were still so angry about this divorce. And so I was sitting in the bathroom floor New Year's Eve, and I thought, you know, I cannot do this anymore. I was so sick and tired being sick and tired. And so I came to the suicide that night. And just by the grace of God, I had a boyfriend who I had not spoke to in six months call me, and he recognized something wrong in my voice, and he called 911, and that was that. Of course, I'm here, so that didn't happen. From that, I went on to uh, IHO Counseling, that's here, a local counseling company in Birmingham, went through an in-house for a year of counseling, and they referred me to a program called Celebrate Recovery. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that. I haven't. I started going to Celebrate Recovery and um, ended up in what they call a small group. I did a year um, small group with them. It's basically where you're with a group of women and you talk about from the time you're two years old up until where you are today. And because I had never dealt with my past or even talked about my past um, and any everything that had happened in it in childhood and all, they kept telling me, Christy, it's not that you have a, you know, a relationship addiction or you, you know, you've been out partying and this kind of thing. That is not the issue. There is a root to your issue and that's what we need to get to. So they assigned me to one personal sponsor and I worked with her for a year and I started going back to my childhood and really started talking about my dad and the insecurities that I felt, the inadequacy that I felt, the self-esteem issues that I felt from not being daddy's little girl or the princess that everybody's girl wants to be. So, therefore, I looked at God like I did my human father. Mm-hmm. And so, um, in 2007, I ended up giving my life to Christ and was just an amazing time for me started learning who Jesus really was, not the harsh God of punishment that I had grown up with in this girl's home, 
but really the true, kind God, the God that wants to be my Father, who loves me, who's here for me, and loves me unconditionally, no matter where I was at in life, and that was just so cool to me, you know, to learn that. Um, I started just growing with the Lord. I eventually got into uh, ministry and leadership there at Celebrate Recovery, and then God opened a door for me to open my own singles ministry here in Birmingham, which was called Alabama Circle of Friends. We ended up being a singles ministry with 150 people every Saturday night. Mm. Um, Things were just going great in my life. God was opening doors for me left and right. And then um, I had a gentleman come in to our small group. His name was David. And we just, we hit it off from day one. And I thought, you know, I'd been divorced for 10 years. If God is going to let this happen, you know, it was so cool to finally date a Christian man. So we dated for nearly a year and ended up getting married um, in August, uh, three years ago. And we were married four months, Christy, and I got a phone call once again, uh, December the 13th. My father was murdered December 1st, and my husband um, got a call from federal agents that there had been an accident and I needed to get to the hospital quickly. And I really didn't know until I got to the hospital when I got out of the car. There were news crews everywhere, CNN, this, that, and the other. Um, and my husband, I was eventually told, uh, brought into the room with the, my, the doctor. He brought a, my wedding, his wedding ring in the room and he said, Christy, we did all we could. Your husband shot himself in the federal courthouse. I was devastated, Christy. I didn't know, God, what are you doing? I questioned God. I just, um, I never saw that coming whatsoever. Um, he had been having an issue with some individuals in his life since we had gotten married that did not accept his marriage, that it completely cut off communication with him. Um, I had no idea how bad the situation was until after he had done this. I noticed the depression the first couple of months that we were married um, getting worse. And I also noticed him starting to get up and take some uh, prescription medication during the night. So I did know there was something wrong, but seeing a suicide coming, I never had any idea. He worked for the federal government for 29 years. Um, and he, uh, December 13th of 2012, um, shot himself in the head in his boss's office. Wow. So that just absolutely, I, I just didn't understand what God is doing. My life has been, you know, so good up until that point. He was turning things around. And I remember having to go from my home where we live to a secured location that was gated and live with somebody, um, leaving my home, that happening and everything, I, I was questioning God so much, what are you doing? What have I done to deserve this now? And I start blaming God again. Mm-hmm. And then I remember laying on the bed downstairs where I was in this woman's home, and I looked out across the pool and the lake, and I just remember that day so vivid. And I remember just God laying on my spirit, Christy, you've been in ministry, you have been speaking around the world, people are watching you, are you going to love me and am I the same God that I was 
a few days ago before this happened. Mm-hmm. People are going to see how you're going to handle this. You've got followers on Facebook. You have spoke about, you know, this, that, and the other. And I think it was at that point, Christy, that God really said to me, this is it. Mm-hmm. How are you going to handle this? Mm-hmm. Are you still going to trust me? Am I still the God that says, I plan to give you a hope and a future, are you still going to believe that I'm the God that I was a week ago? And at that moment, I had the sweetest, calming spirit come over me, and I said, God, you're right. I'm not going to take this and just give up. I'm going to take this, and I'm going to use this, and I'm going to tell my story across the world. I'm going to, you know, my book ended up coming out because of this incident, and I'm going to use it for your glory. And since then, Christy, I can't begin to tell you, you know, God tells us that he is a restorer of everything that we've lost. And um, a year and a half ago, I was on call to prayer a lot here on WDJC where my husband had been on air for so long. And we kind of knew each other due to that. But God just so sweetly uh, brought the two of us together in a very phenomenal way, only something God could do. I was never, ever going to get married again. I had said that to him when I met him. You know, if you're wanting to get married, you just forget it because (laughs) I'm through, done with that, been there, done that, and I'm, no. So God had different plans for me, and as he started to soften my heart towards Ronnie. And of course, when once you get to know who he is, and God knew I needed somebody in my life to love me unconditionally, to accept my past, to accept my dysfunction. And it would take an awful special person to be able to deal with my trust issues. Mm-hmm. I've had depression since then. I've been diagnosed with uh, PTSD. Um, you know, been on antidepressants for quite a while. And just come to the terms that, yes, I am this woman with all these issues now. Um, yes, I struggle with depression. But, yes, God is good, and he is much bigger than my problems. Um, February 14th last year, ended up marrying Ronnie. Um, and, and I just see what a, you know what a God thing this was for me and how God did restore so much more than I had lost. And to have the husband and the that I have now. He loves traveling. We speak together um, in our ministry, which is the Hope Knows Your Name ministry. And um, God is just such a God of, you know, restoration and hope. I just cannot begin to tell you uh, and, and, and your listeners that it doesn't matter anything that you have been through in your past. Your past does not identify you. Christ is who identifies us, and I could not have gone through the things I went through and my life from childhood on up until I realized God was the answer. He is my answer. He is my identity. My divorces, my past, um, David's suicide, none of that identifies me anymore. I am Christy Musso Bruce, a child of a most high God who loves me, accepts me. And as I've been going out and speaking to other people and sharing my story about the suicide, I can't begin to tell you how many suicide people, uh, either people who were alive from somebody who did it or they attempted it themselves. Mm-hmm. God has really been, you know, been using me as a tool to help those people too. 
to use this and help other people and not get so stuck in this poor me or um, I'm a victim mentality. We don't ever understand why things go the way they do, and a lot of people blame God. But what I really like to say is this isn't God's fault. You know, when sin entered the world back with Adam and Eve, God wanted this to be a perfect world. He didn't want to see suicide. He didn't want to see child abuse. He didn't want to see sexual abuse. He didn't want to see abortion. But because the world is a sinful place, it happens. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so thankful to be a part of our ministry and trying to get hope out there to people to take their mess and to take their life and their past and to use it for God's good. I love it. I love it. You know, wow. I don't know what to say. I mean, such such a powerful, sad, but on the other side, you know, you've you've managed to come through this. And I'm going to encourage people because we don't we don't have enough time to take them through everything. Um, even though, wow, we we covered a lot. Uh, but I'm going to encourage people to definitely pick up a copy of your book. How do they get your book? It is on www.hopeknowsyourname.com. Okay. And for those of you who may be uh, listening to the show online via the Blog Talk Radio site, you will see the link to that as well as the copy of the book. So, a uh, copy of the book cover, so you'll be able to get that as well. I have t- two final questions before we wrap up really quickly. Do you have a relationship with your mother now and with your kids? Absolutely. Um, it, it was funny that you asked that question. When I got saved, I started working things out with my mother through my recovery process. We have a great relationship now. The restoration with my son Chris and my daughter Christy came the night my husband shot himself. Mm. And although I lost something that day, when I got home from the hospital and there were reporters camped out in my yard because this was a federal courthouse ordeal, um, they were camped out there for weeks. My son and my daughter were the first thing I saw on the doorstep when I got back to the house from the hospital. My husband, my son stood up in a room of 50 people that were in that house and said, I am so sorry that I have treated my mom the way I have. I love her more than anything. And, and from that point on, we've had a good relationship, my daughter too. So, God did, I did lose something that day, but I gained something that I've been praying for for seven years, and that was mm. restoration with my children mm. and my family, and that all has happened. So, Wow. Amazing. Great story. Wow. Uh, we could talk for about four more hours, and I could just, I could just listen. <laughs> so I can only imagine folks who, who have the opportunity to sit and listen to you live. But I thank you so much. Christy, for being a guest on the show. Um, wow, and I wish you great success with your ministry, continued success with your ministry. You're doing a great work, you and your husband, and um, God is indeed a restorer. And for those who are, who have questioned it, they, they just have nothing done nothing else but listen to your story um, just in this last half hour. Um, that is confirmation enough. So, again, those of you um, can reach Christy on her website. Again, it's HopeKnowsYourName.com. And Christy, any final things you want to say to folks um, before we wrap up? Uh, I would just like to say, you know, once again, my message is hope 
does know your name. If you're feeling out there suicidal, if you feel like you've done too much in your past, if you feel like you're just washed up, no good, worthless, that is a lie. God says you're made in his, his image. He loves you. Um, you know, contact us. We have our phone number on there. You know, if you are suicidal or anything, that's what we're here for. That is our ministry. So we would love to absolutely walk, help, you know, walk you through life. You don't have to live the way you're living because hope knows your name. Fantastic. Well, Christy, thank you so much. And I want to thank you all for listening to the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show with me, Christy Demetrakis. I invite you to follow me and the show on Blog Talk Radio to get news and reminders for upcoming shows. I'd also like you to connect with me on Twitter. My handle is at Demetrakis. And on Facebook, I have two pages, Faith to Conquer Fear and The Empowered Speaker. This will allow you to keep up with all of the news and events to inspire you to keep it moving. I'm doing what I love. Talk to you soon. <music>